Me? Me? No, no, I'm good. I'll pray later on my own. More of a private prayer, more internal. I was actually just going to go to the bathroom. A little act as intolerant. I'll, I'll read the minutes. Sometimes when I pray, it gets, uh, gets deep. I don't intimidate anybody. Everybody doing good? Man, this is uh, amazing what's happening here today. I'm so glad you guys are here. If you have a Bible, let's, uh, let's open them up. If you have it, uh, let's go to Mark chapter 11. We're going to be uh, in Mark chapter 11 today. If you're new to church and you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. They'll be in the next step room after the service or uh, our prayer team will have them at the end too. You can get one from them. Or if you have a mobile device, just uh, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible there. And I read out of the uh, New Living Translation. So we're in this uh, Summer of Sabbath series. The current series we're in is called Prayerful, but we are doing what we are calling the Summer of Sabbath. So if you're you're new, let me bring you up to speed on what that is. The Summer of Sabbath is just a time where we've declared that we want to push back from the busyness of life. Tired of being tired, tired of being busy and being worn out. So what if we recaptured what the Christian Sabbath was all about? And it's about more than just going to church. And so we, we've said this, our, our phrase we've been saying is say yes to rest. Say that with me, say yes to rest. That feels good, does it not, to just like, yeah, say yes to rest. But what does that mean to say yes to rest. And what does it really mean? What is the practice of the Christian Sabbath? I think we've got it all jacked up, a little messed up. We think it's, oh, it's just about going to church and it's all about going to church. No, it's not actually. The Christian Sabbath, like the Jewish Sabbath, is a time where you set aside a day for faith, family, and friends. Where you do what you're doing now, where you come with the people of faith. You come and you gather with the church body, with your friends to to laugh together, to talk together, to sing together, to pray together, to hear from God's word. But then you also say yes to family, that this is a day where instead of putting my family off, I'm going to put other things off, and I'm going to say yes to my family. And maybe even saying yes to friends, of like getting together with friends, maybe going out somewhere with friends or having friends over. I would encourage you to go back to the very first message, if you missed it, where we talk about Sabbath, you can get all, all the details on, on that on our website, corechurch.com. But if you would, would you stand with me? I want us to read from Mark's gospel. Uh, Mark was uh, not a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus who came later, gave, gave his life to Jesus, and then he was um, kind of a disciple of, of the disciples. He traveled with them, preached the gospel with them, and so he wrote this account of Jesus' life, and we have that. And these are some words of Jesus from Mark chapter 11. We're going to be verse 22, so scroll to verse 22. And it says this, Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Today, I want to talk about grabbing a hold of Jesus and never letting him go. Grabbing a hold of Jesus and never letting him go. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the chance we have to hear from you now. In this moment, let's just pray for one another. Those of you that are followers of Jesus, let's just pray for one another 
uh, that we'd all be open. Pray for your own heart. God, help us to receive from you today. Pray for me as your pastor and for Laura. She comes here in a moment to share that, that we would uh, speak what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear and that we could all leave just changed and, and full of hope and excitement, some peace, some joy, uh, and our faith renewed in Jesus' name. Everybody give me a big amen. All right, you may be seated. So the scripture says, have faith in God. What I want us to press in on for a few minutes, I want you to think for a moment, what is your greatest need right now? What mountain are you facing right now? You may not be facing a mountain, but maybe you are today. Maybe there is a a relationship or it's your finances or it's schooling or uh, whatever. What is your greatest mountain that you're facing? Uh, Just like us as a church, when I talked about the need and the, the mountain that we're facing as a church, and Jesus comes to us and he says this, have faith in God. So what does that mean? What does it really mean to have faith in God? I have watched and had a front row seat to watching Laura these past three and a half months live out that statement of having faith in God. I've watched what God has done in her life from the moment she received the news to the moment that uh, she had some setbacks to the moment where she is finally here today watching her in this journey of having faith in God. And I thought during the middle of this series, it would be so good to have her come and share this journey with you. And my hope is, is that it's going to encourage your faith today. So would you invite Laura to the stage and just welcome her? Come on, honey. It is so good to just have my wife back. I'm just telling you, it is so good. And so I'm going to have her share here for a few minutes of um, this journey that we've been on as a family, but, but really the journey that um, she has been on the past three and a half months. So uh, for those, some of you are, are you already know the story, you, you've been privy to some of that, but you may be brand new and you don't know what it is that we're talking about. So let's go back um, to that initial first doctor's visit. Well, um, am, I, am I on? Okay. Um, that day um, where my life changed in the spring was a real normal day. It was a real routine day. You guys have a routine day. It's like you just get up and you're just thinking about the next thing and you're just like, go, go, go. That's where my mind was. I was like, I just need to get to my regular routine um, checkup, my women, womanly checkup, yearly checkup. And usually, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's uneventful, you know, you hope. And so it's just kind of, goes by the wayside. So I'm, that's what my mind is. And we had staff meeting here at the church and I had just enough time to go and get back. So I'm waiting in the exam room and I'm just, my mind really is already back at church. You know, that's where my mind is. And so, um, I'd already been to the doctor like twice and talked to them about some stuff. So this was a really like short visit. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to engage her and maybe she won't engage me and we'll just get, you know, I mean, normally I want time, but not this day. And so um, <clears throat> she's doing the exam. She comes in. She does the exam. She's starting to do the exam. And 
she stops. And then she begins to ask me some questions. And then she stands up. And she says, Laura, you have a mass. I don't even know if in that moment I even understood what she was saying. Because I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm all, I, I just need to get back to my car and get back to my staff meeting. So she leaves. She says, I'm going to need to get you an ultrasound. And um, she walks out. And I'm alone. And I'm still struggling to even think what she said, so I'm not even really thinking. And she comes back in, and what I thought at the moment was very generous, she says, ultrasound has time for you, let's go. So in five minutes, I'm in ultrasound. Uh, The ultrasound tech is uh, shaking her hand. Her hand's shaking, and she's measuring And I'm thinking, what are you measuring? Like, I'm still not really connecting with what's happening. The doctor comes in, and uh, then they go out to talk, and I'm alone again. And then the doctor comes back in, and she says, Laura, we need to get you, uh, we need to get blood work done now. And... um, we need to get you uh, tested for ovarian cancer. And I'm thinking, no, you don't understand. Like, I, this is not in my schedule for Tuesday. You know, I, I, I mean, you know what I mean? I, that's how it felt. I just, oh, no, no, you don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I'm just like, what? And then she began to talk about some other tests that we needed to do, and she would walk in and she would walk out and verify things, and she was being very, very thorough. It was like no one else was in the office but me. And at that time, I thought, boy, isn't it nice that she's taking this time with me? You know, um, kind of like uh, just the, the ultrasound lady had time for me. Um, what I didn't realize is they realized what they were seeing. So I walk out. And I really still don't have a fresh thought of what's happening. But I know that Brad, my mind is still on staff meeting. Brad's in staff meeting. I need to call him. So I call him, and anybody that knows me knows I cry. I cry about everything. That's how I express my feelings. I have a lot of feelings. I'm very Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love life. I love Jesus. I love my family. And so I just began to tell him, um, like I was trying to think, like, how do you say, okay. Um, so I don't even know if I said they're wanting me, they're, they think I might have cancer, or do I need to go for blood work oh, I can for tell, ovarian cancer? I, I can cancer? tell you what you said. I can tell you what you said. Um, I'm in my office. I've got a couple of staff members there. We're preparing for our staff meeting, and we're just talking, and she calls, and, and she's, she's crying, and, which is not unusual. Uh, and so, I, what did the kids do now? You know, and 
uh, and every man who's married, you know, your goal in life is to get your wife to stop crying because you just don't, we don't like it when you cry. We, we just don't, we don't know what to do. And, but she's, she's crying and I'm, what, what's wrong? What is wrong? And she can't really say it. And, and all, all I heard her say, and all she could get out of her mouth was, um, they think I might have cancer and I'm going to get blood work. And I, I'm, I'm like, just like she was, I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? It's just insane how quickly life changes. Because yeah. for some of you today, you're just like, oh, yeah, you're going through it. You get it. You're in the middle of something very, very difficult. But some of you, you're not. You're, you're not in something. But I, I wish I could tell you that you're never going to get a phone call or, or you're never going to get a bad report or nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. But get ready. And if you don't have anything bad happening to you right now, you need to lean in. Because you need to prepare yourself. You need to get ready because life will hit you hard. And so I just get off the phone, and I'm like, "Uh, okay. And she tells me where it's at, and I just hang up the phone, and I just turn, matter of fact, to the staff that are sitting there with me. And I I just was blunt. I didn't know what else to say. I just said, um, hey, they they think Laura might have cancer. Um, I got to go. And I felt horrible laying that news on them. Horrible. But I, I what, what else do you say? And I just go and I get in the car and, and I'm driving in the car. And um, as I'm driving in the car, I'm just thinking, man, what do, what do you do? Like, what do you do when you get that kind of news? And believe it or not, in that moment, here's what came to my mind. Well, you either go skydiving, you go Rocky Mountain climbing, or you go 2.7 <laughs> seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. You got three options, Brad. <laughs> Comic relief, you know. That's how, that seriously came to my mind. And, and I met her at, at the doctor where they were going to do the blood work. And that um, was a day that is frozen yeah. in time. And even as we left there and we really didn't know what to do, and I was wanting you to go on to work, and you were like, I'm not going to leave you. And... Um, I remember we were at lunch, and uh, we were just going to do the regular, we're going to pray over the food, you know. And as we bowed our head, it was like this very somber moment of our life going in front of us. And, you know, you're just like, oh, God, help this food to, you know, nourish our body. But we do were, you know how insignificant a prayer <laughs> over your food is in that moment? Like completely insignificant. God, help us uh, bless this food, and uh, would you save my wife? That would just be awesome right now if you would do that. It was, um, we sat on the couch that day, just Laura and I, nobody was there. And I just remember us grabbing a hold of your hand, and we did what we've done for three decades. We, we prayed. And Jesus says, have faith in God. And for for three decades, we have always put our faith in God. And I was just reminded in that moment when we were sitting on that couch is uh, um, how a few years before that, I'd sat on that same couch with my kids and we were going through a very, very difficult season as a family. And I remember telling all of my kids uh, sitting on the couch that day, 
whatever you do in life, grab a hold of Jesus and never let him go. So, amen. Amen. I don't care how dark the valley gets. I don't care the reports you get. I, I don't care whether you hear God's voice or don't hear God's voice. I don't care what your friends say to you. I don't care what your family members say to you. When you're going through it, you have that's this is what faith is. Faith in a nutshell. If you ever wonder what is faith, faith is grabbing a hold of Jesus. And never letting him go. So here begins this journey. And I wish it was just all uphill, but then began the waiting game because we had four weeks before you were going to be in this surgery and you'd gotten the blood work back, inconclusive, might be, might not be cancer. They won't know till they go in. Well, the mind games that once your brain starts to engage with actually what has happened and what is reality. And for me, I began to think of a lot of different scenarios. And, and you know, you think, is this good to do this? Like, like you know, like some people are like, oh, yeah, it's good to do that. You know, lay all those scenarios. And so for me, I was like, man, this is so hard because um, my grandmother had ovarian cancer. My aunt had ovarian cancer. I watched the devastation um, over the years of what cancer had done to my grandmother. Um, and I, I, you know, I was laying out this scenario like, what if when they open me up, it's everywhere? And then, you know, that, oh gosh, that dark cloud that comes over and I... But in that moment, I think it's so important to be around other believers to say, that is the enemy. We're gonna, we're not gonna be like, I mean, I know that I'm an optimist, but we're not going to go there before you have to go there. And so Brad would say, you gotta stop that. You gotta stop that. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. Or I'd listen to a podcast and they'd be speaking faith and I'd listen to uh, read the word or reading the Psalms would really help my mind because my mind would just go everywhere and just knowing that that is the enemy and it's toxic and it's like pollution and it pollutes your mind. And what Brad and I realized at that moment is he wasn't, he was after my mind and my soul and my heart. That's what he wanted. He wanted discouragement. He wanted death. I mean, literally, that's what it felt like is this black cloud that would come over like death. And it was like, no, in Jesus' name, I don't know, but it's not there yet. So let's just get that off the table. What you got to know is this. The, the, the devil doesn't come to you and go, hey, you're going to pull through this. Hey, you're going to get through this. Hey, you know what? Let me, let me, let me sit down with you for a minute and tell you it's, it's all going to be good. It's going to be a good report. No, he doesn't. He comes to you. He writes the end of a story that's not been written. Uh, Come on. Am am I speaking truth on that? He writes the end of a story that hasn't been written. Don't write the end of your story until it's been written. Don't write the end. Let God write the end of that story. Because the enemy comes in, like you said, he pollutes your mind. He puts trash in your mind. You've got to push that out. And the way you push that out is through prayer 
and the word through the promises of God. What Jesus says here in verse 23, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. So many times it's not about the mountain of cancer. It's not the mountain of your finances. It's the mountain that the enemy is putting in your mind. It's the fear that he's putting in your mind. It's the discouragement that he's putting in your mind. You got to press that out, push it out of your mind But if you leave your mind empty, the enemy will refill it again with these toxic pollutants. This is why when you empty your mind, you have to fill it with the promises of God. The promises of God. Not self-help. So many times, listen, this is what self-help will get you. I can pull through this. I can do this. That's good. That's great that you're speaking that. But But it's not... You, it's not what you're speaking, but it's what's behind what you're speaking, okay? It's not the promise, it's who's behind the promise, okay? So when I speak over my life, hey, I can do this, I'm behind that promise. It's all on me. Mm -hmm. But when I get God's word involved in the process, it's not his promise, it's the promiser. I know it's backed up by this guy who is going to come through. Well, and we know that self-help, which is, is... good in that you're trying to be positive, you're trying to be upbeat, but there's no power. There's no power. Like, and so when you, we pray to God, there's changes. Like what you saw here, that was God breaking through here. I mean, you saw an amazing presence of the Lord. Like today, make no mistake, you saw a move of the Holy God of the universe. It was not about cash. It had nothing to do with cash. It had to do with God saying, I hear you and I'm giving you a breakthrough. So we're moving through this process. The surgery's like four weeks away, but then some complications sat in. Laura ended up being bedridden for a, a little over a week and a half. The pain became so intense and so great that they actually had to push up and, and um, perform emergency surgery. And the day of that surgery... It was crazy. was crazy because when Laura was... We were in the midst of getting her stuff together to get her to the hospital. I got a call from my mom's work. Uh, some of you don't know my mom, uh, but she's... Uh, She's awesome, but she uh, was at work, and her work called me and said, we think your mom may have had a stroke, but she won't listen to us. <laughs> you got the right lady. It's <laughs> my mom. I said, okay, cool, I'll call, I'll, I'll call her. So I call my mom, and I'm like, hey, mom, and she's got slurred speech. She doesn't even hardly know who I am, and I'm like, mom. And so I I'm, get off the phone, and I tell Laura, I'm like, um, I don't know what to do here. And she's just awesome because she said, you know what? I'm going to call my friend. And um, what woman does this? She's like, um, I'll call my friend and, and you go take care of your mom. I'm like, wow, this is, this is like, you're just amazing. Um, you just are. That, it, that is just unbelievable that you would do something. Like it should have been, she should have been, hey, 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 hey. Come on now. Somebody else can give her a ride, but my mom's alone. She has nobody to give her a ride. She won't listen to anybody. Um, And so I go, and she is definitely having stroke signs, and so I just just strong arm her. Like, we're going to the hospital. And so 
took her to the hospital, and we ended up in the emergency room, and the doctors confirmed, yes, she's had a stroke. She's, they're, they're confirming in her she's had a stroke, and she's like, no, I haven't had a stroke. I just don't feel good. <laughs> the guy said, yeah. Okay, whatever, Mom. Uh, and so they admit her. Um, they stay, get her stabilized, and then I've got to rush over because they're getting ready just in about an hour and a half to perform your surgery. They rush you into surgery. I'm in the waiting room. Uh, it's 8 o'clock at night, and um, for me personally, it was an amazing moment because I was surrounded by three amazingly beautiful people. My uh, mother-in-law, who is just probably like walks closer to God than anybody I know, was sitting right next to me. And then Carol, who is one of the biggest prayer warriors in our church, was sitting there. And then one of my best friends, the closest friends for over 20 years, Mike, who is an absolute prayer warrior sitting there with me, praying with me and encouraging me, um, don't sit alone. Don't sit alone. Uh, If you're here today, and this is the only experience you have in this church, you're sitting alone. It's the worst possible thing you could do in your life is sit alone. You got to have some people around you. So they're praying with me and couple hours go by and the doctor comes out and he's like comes out from uh, the side of the hall and he starts walking towards me and I see that he's he's smiling so I know I'm probably gonna get a, a good report and he comes over to me and he says to me three times benign 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 Oh, man. So Laura's the one who always cries, not me. Uh, Man, that just gets me every time. Like, wow. Um, I know some people aren't as fortunate as I am. And, uh, but God gave me my wife back, gave her her life back. So here in that moment, we're thinking, all right. We're through it. Yeah. We're good. We're like, we're home praise free. Praise God. And yes, praise God, we're, we're home free. But you yeah. know what? It's never the initial battle that takes you down. It, it's the aftershocks yeah. that take you down. It's, um, it's the setbacks. The setbacks. And we had a few of those. So walk us through But your resolve is, some so, of is that. weakened with the setbacks. And um, so what I... You know, I woke up out of surgery. I knew I would be in pain. You know, I mean, it's surgery, you know. And um, I woke up and um, began to really, like, cry out to the nurses and the doctors. And not just for the first night or the first day or the second day or the third day. But they were trying for days to get my pain under control. Um, I would ask the nurses and they would go to the doctors and they were releasing everything legally that they could give me. Okay. I want to, I'll just say, this is how bad it was. The, the, I think the longest she slept was like 11 minutes, 11 minutes. And then she'd wake up in excruciating pain and I'm by her side for these 48, 72 hours, however long it was every 11 minutes, every, every five to 10 minutes, every five to 10 minutes, excruciating pain, couldn't get it under control. And then one night your blood pressure spiked out of control. Yeah. My blood pressure went up. And they came in the first time, and they said, we're going to give you something for it. Uh, Came back to check it. Um, It was going up higher. It wasn't coming down. 
So they continued this for several hours, and as they, the hours went on, um, they got more alerted because they were not seeing anything bringing it down. I was telling them, I'm concerned, um, I'm scared. Um, my dad and my grandfather died of massive heart attacks at 58, dropped dead. There was, there was nothing they could do. Um, so they were concerned at this point, they brought the ICU doctor down and he talked to us and he said, I'm concerned you're going to go into cardiac arrest if we don't get this under control. So I'm like, he's like, I I can get you up there. I can work on you. And I'm like, get me up there out of the, get me into ICU now. So they start to wheel me down this long hallway and I just feel so alone. And when I get up to the ICU, there's six to eight people in there that are going to work on me. And I could tell that they were getting ready to put me under. And I just thought, Oh God, I, in that moment, you know, there's a God of the universe because I cried out and I said, God, I don't need you to do something like kind of like I need you now and I need you to save me. I don't know what is going to happen and I need you now. It wasn't eloquent. It wasn't pretty. There was, it was just like, I need you now. Do this, God, please. And he did. I woke up the next morning. What I didn't know is poor Brad, had they'd left him for hours, not telling him anything. I didn't even know that until we started working through all this because my memory is left. But um, woke up the next yeah. morning. Oh, I was in the um, ICU waiting room. This is like 2 a.m. And I'm in the ICU waiting room. They've wheeled Laura in. They're concerned about this. Um, and now I am by myself. And it's just me and God. And so what she's experiencing, I'm experiencing at a different level because I don't know what's happening. And this is what I, I want to say to you. This is, this is when your faith is tested. This is when you figure out, do I really believe this or not? And in that moment, I did what Laura was doing in, in the ICU. Here I'm in the waiting room. And what am I doing? I'm grabbing a hold of Jesus. Yeah. And I'm not letting him go. I can't do anything. Are you there? Have you been there? Like where I've exhausted all means. I can do nothing else except look to him that he will bring me through this dark valley. So he brings her through this dark valley. And then we get home. We're released from the hospital. And then began two weeks of complications at home. She's bedridden at home, can't get up excruciating pain, difficulties, and setbacks, and you're laying in this bed at home for two weeks. Yeah, um, about two weeks into that, um, you can imagine how my resolve is weak. Um, but that I, w- it, I remember this one particular day, the pain was unbearable. And I had called in, and um, the doctor was calling in something specifically for what was going on, and... Um, it was at the pharmacy, so Brad had left to go get some things with that, 
And I was praying, God, please help me. Please help me. And so finally, I was just at the end of my rope. And I called him and I said, whatever you have in your hand, you put it down now. You check out, you pay for those pills, and you get home. He got home. I wish she said it that nice. It wasn't that (laughs) that nice. (laughs) So I I took the medicine, and um, it was about 45 minutes later, and I began to feel relief. And about two hours later, it all came back again, all that pain again. And by this time, um, man, I was at the end. I said, um, I, I was in bed and I'd curled up just in such agony, agonizing pain. And I said, God, please have mercy on me. I can't do this. There's nothing I can do. I've exhausted everything I know. I've called, and I, I, do, I don't know what else to do. And I waited. And it was probably about five minutes. This peace began to come over me, my whole body. And I just fell asleep. I never experienced that level of pain again. As I would look through and read the Psalms, Psalm 68, 19 really is my verse. If I could have written it 2,000 years ago or whatever, or gone and whispered it into somebody's ear, it would be exactly my heart. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my Savior. Each day, he carries me in his arms. You know, sometimes we skip over words and we skip over verses, you know, because we're human and maybe in the moment we're just, it's not speaking to us. But in that moment, I said, why have I ever questioned you, God? Your arms literally reach from one side of our world to the other. And this word says, you are carrying me in your arms. And that's why I can trust you. My whole journey was, God just carried me. I don't know what else to say. God carried me because I was so vulnerable and so I, my, my pain was so bad, but God carried me through every day. He carried me through. You know, so, sometimes what can happen to us is we get so focused on deliverance that we miss out on his presence. We get so focused on deliverance. God, deliver me. And God does want to deliver you. But don't miss out on the glorious presence of the Lord in the midst of your storm. The scriptures are full of those stories. The Israelites delivered from slavery. Woohoo! Awesome. Set back in the wilderness. But what happened in the wilderness? 
pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. The presence of God never left them in the middle of the wilderness. The disciples twice on the sea in the middle of a storm. One time Jesus is in the boat with them in the storm. Then he speaks to the storm. The other time they're in the boat, Jesus comes out to them in the storm. Don't miss that. That is the, was probably one of the most glorious things of this entire process that we have gone through and that Laura has gone through is that the presence of the Lord was with us. Yeah. And we want to speak that over you today. The presence of the Lord is with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you call upon Jesus, if you call upon his name as Savior and Lord, whatever you're facing, whatever it looks like, he is with you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to bring you through it. But he says, I'm not watching passively. I'm not standing by and going to be the, jump in and be the hero at the last minute. I'm with you right in the middle of it. I want to share something, too. That one of the ways that God was with us in the, all through it was that Brad was trying to literally physically care for me because I could not care for myself. And people, you guys brought meals. Um, he was cleaning the house. He was making sure the animals were taken care of. He was literally caring for me, like, like, like just home health care. And he had not the energy to try to work at the church, care for me, care for our house. And when you guys would bring those meals into our home, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. What a, a gift of mercy that you guys gave us because we, we needed that. We needed that for our strength, and you needed it because you couldn't do it I didn't physically. need all those desserts. I didn't need those. Uh, <laughs> like, you guys, you seriously can cook. Like, everybody brought, this is serious, everybody brought a dessert. Everybody felt the need to bring us a dessert every night. So one day I went home for lunch, and I had a piece of cheesecake that was amazing. And then I came home that night for dinner. And after dinner, I had a brownie. And then right before I went to bed, uh, somebody had baked <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. I'm in the middle of the chocolate chip cookie. And I realized I've had three desserts today, but God was with me and he would deliver me. Come on, somebody. Hey, listen, here's the thing. Faith, faith is grabbing a hold yeah. of Jesus and never letting him go. What I'd like for you to do is just bow your heads for just a moment. And I would like to do something. I would like Laura to pray over you if you are really going through something right now where you need God to come through. It might be for you personally. It might be for someone else. And this is what I'd like for you to do. I want you to do something bold. I want you to stand up and I want you to move to the front of the, of the platform here. Okay. If you're going through something right now, just stand up and come up here to the front, wherever you are. Just let some people out. What are you facing right now? What is it that you're dealing with? Or maybe it's a family member you know that's dealing with something and they need deliverance. You need deliverance. And you just need to know God is with me. That right now in this moment, you're like, you know what? I don't know how the story ends, but I'm going to grab a hold of Jesus. And I'm never going to let him go. Right now. I'm going to take a stand in faith. And I'm going to look to him. And I'm going to trust in him.
in this moment as Laura prays over you guys this morning, I want you just to receive this in faith. Receive the Holy Spirit speaking over you, imparting to you confidence and hope and faith. Let's pray together. Everybody that's sitting down, I'd just like you to really press in and focus. Just focus right now and just believe and pray with us because we want this to be about everyone that's in this room needs to be a part of this. God, we thank you right now because you created this world You breathe life into us every day. And there are many men and women that are represented down here that need your physical, your financial, your relational touch, God. We thank you that what we saw during that offering time, that breakthrough, that spiritual break, that's going to happen right now. We thank you that we prayed before the service. We're asking for a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. And we just thank you right now, God, that you are breaking us through. And I just ask everyone that is standing to just say what it is in your mind, what it is you speak it out in your mind. What is it you need from God so that he can give it? You have not because you ask not. We pray in Jesus' name, break us free from the bondage of what the enemy has set up for us. We thank you that you are making power available that we do not have in this world. There is nothing that we can try to get from this world that can bring us what we need. So God, we glorify your name and we say right now, you are the one true God of this universe. And we will speak that out over our circumstance and we will see you change whatever needs to be changed. You did it during the offering time and that was the beginning. And we're going to see more and more breakthroughs because we are desperate to see you move. The world says God is not powerful. We know that you are the God of the universe. You are all powerful. Show your power today. God, we thank you. We thank you that we stand in awe, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and there is nothing that can stop you. So every person that has made themselves vulnerable today, God, meet them where their need is. Show them in Jesus' name where their breakthrough, where it's going to come from, where whatever they need. If they need wisdom, give them wisdom. If they need power, if they need strength, give them that. And we will be quick to glorify your name, the one true God of the universe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's give these people a hand clap. Give them a hand clap in faith as they return to their seats to let them know that you're with them. Come on, let's give God a hand clap so they know, hey, we're with you. We believe in faith. We are trusting God. Man, this is why we have church. This is why we're here. This is why we gather so that God can set us free, so that God can bring us hope. Praise God. 
God for what he has done in this place today.